0: welcome back to the education podcast on this episode we're going to be continuing our theme of helping you kind of make that transition to freelance or starting that move into building your dream career but this episode we're going to build on the others uh, and we're going to talk about money now i'm thad cox i don't know if you uh, know who i am but it who i am uh a shiny object chasing info hoarder who can't stop buying courses that I don't finish, adding to my bookmarks, saving YouTube videos to a playlist I never open and just generally consuming and hoarding information and struggling to not hate myself in the process. But that's about me. Um, The reason I mention all this is my goal of this podcast is not to give you something else to hoard because we've already got loads of things out there but to try and give you something which I feel is genuinely useful from my experience as trying to make it as a successful freelancer and now studio owner Um, and so you can learn from all the mistakes I made and if you go back to you know a few previous episodes you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about but pretty much There's a way of doing this, and it's always going to be difficult. And if you stick at it long enough, you'll make it work. My goal is to try and give you stuff that work for me, uh, for you to try. And as I mentioned earlier with the whole info hoarding kind of thing, the biggest problem with hoarding information is that it feels good. But I mean, I don't know about you, but I never act on it. So I will buy lots of books. Uh, and I get excited about the prospect of buying them, but I don't actually, I might dig into them a bit, but I rarely kind of read it, make notes, apply what I've learned and kind of help me to change. So this is the thing. I, I feel personally that there's a lot of really great information out there, but I also feel that there is this kind of burden that comes with that of like, oh, that's good. I should definitely do something about that. And it almost feels like you're being set homework when you're at school. And there is a tipping point where, you know, too much homework becomes demoralizing and it actually works the other way. So I don't want this podcast to become that. I want this to become something which, you know, you enjoy listening to. It kind of motivates you and inspires you to give it a go. And I give you kind of what I feel are kind of fairly easy, actionable stuff that you can be doing so that you can start that feedback loop of, you know, doing things, seeing how it goes and getting into it. Now, at the end of each episode, I tend to give what I feel is kind of a fairly easy thing to do, which is based on my experience, which really helped me. Um, And if you feel you can do that, what I've found is that feedback loop of actually trying to do something, having it go okay, building your confidence to try again. And soon you get so used to kind of the trying is motivated by the excitement of what could happen if it goes well. And that helps you overcome the kind of, the setback of it not working out as as well as you'd hoped. So that's what we're going to do in this episode. I'm going to give you stuff to sort of try. Hopefully it will help. And like I said, if you listen to this episode and the previous two episodes, they all work together in giving you that kind of blueprint for building a sustainable freelance business. So as I said, today's topic is going to be money. money. Now this is an enormous topic when it comes to freelancing, because there are so many questions and so many things that we can dive into. You know, what should you be charging? What should you do if a client tries to negotiate you down? You know, what is my industry rate? How do I calculate my rates? All those kind of things. And sure, there, there are other episodes. I'll get into all of that. But for, day, for today, I wanted to sort of look at um, the role that money plays in starting your freelance career and why it's important. And there are certain things that... Um, I thought money would give me, but actually it doesn't. And I wanted to outline those. So for me, uh, I'll tell you a kind of story which sort of reinforces my belief in the importance of having money. Um, When we were trying to get a job in advertising, uh, it's very difficult to survive in London when you're being paid what effectively is placement wages, which I think at the time was like maybe 140 quid a week, if that. So it's very, very low money because... um, The whole thing is you're just thrilled to be in the agency with the prospect of getting a full-time job. So you think, well, look, I'm in the door. I'm going to work really hard. And if I get paid well, that's just a bonus. But my motivation here is to kind of prove myself to get a job. When you're earning that little money and you've got bills to pay, it's a real strain. And there was always this tension between how long can we keep going, um, versus when do we just say yes to an agency to get a job to make some money? And I always found that there was this tension between if you say yes to, say, a smaller agency earlier on in your career, the chances of um, being able to leave that agency with an improved skill set that makes you attractive to sort of a more desirable kind of high end shit up kind of type agency it's very unlikely. Because, you know, to be honest, they're going to recruit from the best places, they're going to pick the best graduates, they're going to have waiting lists. um, And the danger is always in slightly smaller agencies that are lower down the rung that you might pick up bad habits. And what may have been exciting about your work when you were trying to get a job in a top agency has now been slightly tempered by the practicalities of having to do client work within a smaller agency. So there's always this rub of like well how long can I keep going Um, it can't be forever but I need kind of money to pay my bills so I can continue really to kind of say no to employment in a sort of smaller company in the hope that I can get hired by one of my dream companies now when we were doing it um, the thing and I look back and I think this changed the course of my life and career certainly was um, my grandfather passed away and he was an accountant And he left me £15,000 in his will. And that £15,000 pretty much paid my rent for almost one and a half years, pretty much. And it gave me kind of a two-year runway, um, combined with what I was earning, to stay in the game longer. Um, And being able to do that meant that when we finally got hired, we were at one of the better agencies. And that dictates your whole career, because the higher you can go when you start it's much, you're know, you much closer to the top, and it gives you a better platform um, to kind of get to the top. And it's like anything, if you start in a really good place, that has a knock on effect over time, because it builds your reputation, you're around better people. So the goal is always, you know, I want to get in the best places. And actually, money is the secret thing that nobody really talks about that allows you to do that. Because it does a couple of things. First of all, it allows you to say no. So it gives you the freedom of choice. So the ability to sort of choose where you want to work or at least choose to hold out longer to find the place you want to work is a really, I mean, it's a real privilege, to be honest. And that's what money did for me, certainly. Um, And this ability to kind of choose and effectively say no was enormous because if you know that you don't need the money yet or your bills are paid, you can afford to say no with confidence. The flip side is if you have to have the money because you've got bills to pay, like most people, you will end up saying yes to clients who aren't a good fit or just to jobs that you don't really want. But it's like, look, I need the money. And what I found with that is that comes from a scarcity mindset, this kind of anxiety of like, well, I need money, I'm not going to get another job. Who's going to pay me? I need clients. I've got bills to pay. What happens if I lose my, you know, I have to move out or you kind of spiral into this sort of nightmare scenario, this sort of anxious overload, which look, it's it's perfectly normal. It is our brains trying to predict future outcomes that could go wrong so that we can be more prepared if it happens. We're all used to kind of what anxiety is and how devastating it could be. But the danger of the scarcity mindset is when you're in that mindset and you need the money, You say yes to people who aren't a good fit. And often, if that's the case, you will probably underprice your services, which means that you're working harder for less money. You're probably doing work for a client that is more price focused. So they're less kind of, we want you to do creative work that's going to build your portfolio and help us. They're going to be like scrutinizing and their decisions are going to be money focused, which is going to be like, we just want to do what works, not what is creatively the best for everyone. So therefore, the work that is generated from that isn't the type of work that you're going to want to put in your portfolio because it's not going to represent you well or attract the sort of clients you want to be working with. So you end up doing work that doesn't update your portfolio and sort of damages your love for your craft. And if people see like, well, what have you been up to for six months and there's no new work? um, They begin to doubt like, well, where have you been? What have you been doing? And, And so it negatively affects the perception of you. This all stems from kind of being scared of not having enough money. So when it comes to money, the power of the money is choice and it's the choice to say no to bad clients in the hope that you can prove yourself and say yes to a big client. So it doesn't matter, again, whatever you want to do, whichever direction you want to go, whether you want to stay working in-house for agencies or start your own agency or work with clients, the reality is the money gives you a lot of freedom and a lot of choice. So we need to know how much money do we need so that we can say no to clients? And the best way of doing this um, is to work out kind of expenses. And I have various strategies. So I will I'll go into kind of one, but they're all linked. So let's say um, you want to, and we touched on this in a previous episode, where it's all about gaining experience to make you more valuable in the long run. If you wanted to gain experience, and I'll stay on a the theme. So the, the theme that we established was, I'm in a creative industry and I want to switch agencies to a better agency might be one or I want to leave freelancing, become more established and then freelance in bigger, better agencies is one scenario. So that's kind of staying industry focused. And the other was I want to go and work in a specific industry on my own and set up on my own with a view to kind of growing my freelance business, maybe even into a small studio. So in the first example, we've got one. So that I'll start with the industry one where you're working for restaurants and you're a designer, just for argument's sake. The goal here is what companies are really well regarded in my industry by the type of clients I want to work with. And if I know that, how can I get experience working at those companies is your is your goal, isn't it? Because if you go, well, if I can work at... Uh, you know, if you're a chef and you go like, well, if I can work at Gordon Ramsay's restaurant when I leave, that fact that I've worked there is going to make people want to hire me. So that's the goal, isn't it? It's like I want to acquire knowledge that makes me more desirable and gives me the edge of the competition. The way to do that. And again, this, this is similar for if you want to work at your dream agency. It's the same sentiment. You want to work somewhere you love and you want to gain experience and reputation enhancement from working there. This is, in my belief, the kind of the secret to making that happen. And it starts with calculating what is six months worth of expenses to live in the city in which that company is based. So if you said, like, I want to go and work for Mother in New York or VaynerMedia in New York, or I want to work for Gordon Ramsay in London. Now, if I'm working in design, I want to learn about restaurants. There might be a restaurant agency I work with. Let's say, um, I don't know a huge amount, but like Ennismore, you know, they do lots of hotels and restaurants and that kind of thing. Whoever it is, you're going to go, right, I want to work for that company because their reputation is going to rub off on me and it's going to make me look good. So I'm going to say, right, VaynerMedia in New York, Ennismore in London, yeah? I need to calculate what six months of expenses is. And I need to be kind of fairly... I need to overestimate that. So this isn't six months of living on someone's couch. It's this thing of like, I need to work out if I was to stay somewhere, like renting a room um, for six months. So I've got a proper base where I could be based because if I get this job or this opportunity, I might want to stay where I am. And so I want to extend the six month period to maybe a year, two years. So it can't be someone's sofa. Because again, you're not going to sleep well, and it's not going to be professional. So we're going to work out what would it cost to say rent a small single-bedroom apartment in that city, uh, some way away from where it's based. So there is travel now. So the rents go down, but the travel goes up. Let's say, and I've got to have travel, utility bills like electricity, uh, any sort of taxes, uh, rent, any insurance, and then I've got mu- other, you know, other expenses: food, phone bills. Um, travel expenses, entertainment, you know, going out, being all that sort of stuff. And if you're not sure, um, there are budgetary planners, there are videos on YouTube where people break this down. But let's just say, for argument's sake, your expenses per month are about 1500 to £2,000 pounds or dollars, yeah? So over six months, we're going to need to save between 7500 and $12,000 so let's say our target is let's say eight you know to be kind of realistic your goal is to save the 8,000 that's going to be your nest egg so that you can hold out for this dream opportunity and when you do this you're going to approach it in this way so the first thing is you can't borrow the money because if you borrow it from family or friends or you take a loan there is now the pressure to pay it back. And that pressure means, again, the scarcity mindset creeps in even stronger and you make bad decisions and it undermines what you're trying to do. The fact you're gonna have to save up for this opportunity might take a year, it might take two years, but the whole time it's like a goal that you're focused on and you're working towards and that you're excited about. And the fact that you have the discipline to save up is what's gonna give you the opportunity to make a meaningful contribution because Our long-term goal is to take the six months of savings, go to that business with your portfolio, because let's think about it, while you're saving up the money, you're also kind of tailoring your portfolio so it's exactly what they want. You're getting to know people. So as we talked about before, you're looking at who are the decision makers, what do they want in the portfolio, what do I need to show them, how are they going to give me a chance? And you're going to go to them and go, I will work for you for free for six months. And at the end of that six months, I would like a full time job with you if I've proven myself. Now, if you do that, I don't know any company in the world that will turn down free labor for six months, let alone talented free labor that has a relevant portfolio. Add in that the, the story of you saving to basically build up that nest egg and now you become really desirable because you're, you're someone with a work ethic, you've got grit, patience, determination, you've got skill, and you've you really put yourself out there. Now, what happens is over that six months, you will work and you, will, you should nail it and win the job. If you can't within six months, then you probably don't deserve the job. But that six months in that company is going to be invaluable, because when you're in there, you're going to do what we talked about a couple of episodes ago, which is where you're going to build your network and get to know all the people in the company. So that if they say, we want to offer you a job, then it's planned out, you've successfully achieved this. This isn't dissimilar to what I did, except I was very fortunate because of my grandfather's inheritance. I didn't think like this, but this is what I would do if I could replay history. The other thing is, you even if they can't offer you a job say look like it doesn't work out what you do leave is a CV that says I've just spent six months at VaynerMedia or I've spent six months training under Gordon Ramsay you've got people that will vouch for you within those companies you've got your existing network of all the relationships you've built within those companies and you can go from the number one to the number two and go I'd love to go and work here I've just spent six months at VaynerMedia can you give me a job they will give you a job because of all the information you've accrued, all the talent you've learned, all the people you know, all those people vouching for you will give you that opportunity. So for me, this is this interesting thing of like money. It's not about how much can I charge as a freelancer. That's, that's the secondary part of the conversation. It's more about what does money do to my options and my choices and my freedom. And so when you're saving that money the mindset is like this is money that I'm saving for. So there is, and I completely believe in if you want to save up for this, you don't have to, you know, if there are ways that um you know you might be earning a low wage trying to get a job as a designer in a small agency, you might go, look, this is going to take forever because I don't really make any profit. I'm I'm looking at kind of going, what jobs pay really well? even if it's a bit crap, but the money is good. So I don't mean sleazy, multi-level marketing, that kind of rubbish. I'm talking about you might decide I'm going to do Uber driving and work in a call centre because the hourly rate of like doing sales is really good and it's a really good skill to learn, to be honest. But also like it, it's flexible enough. So what, what happens is, and this is a strange thing as well, if you were to take a job in a local design company or a local restaurant, There is a really good chance, as I said before, that you're going to pick up skills which will blunt you a little bit and bad habits. When you work as an Uber driver or you're a call centre or you're doing something which isn't related to your passion, when it comes time to doing your portfolio, that's when you're charged up because that's your creative release. So this is actually a really good way to both build your portfolio full of kind of um, sort of spec projects to show your skills, as well as get paid to shorten the time it's going to take to save up. Now, like I said, don't borrow from family or friends. If they if, if you want to say birthday money, savings and add all that in there, that's fine. As long as you're not owing the money to anyone, this is how you would do that. But once you've done this, I mean, the, the knowledge you can acquire from doing this is going to blow your mind. So that was my first kind of take on money and that why money is important and how this kind of helped. The second part of money is going to be If you're going to go into this business in a position for people to start hiring you and paying you, so let's say you get offered a contract at VaynerMedia or you strike out on your own and you want to charge a restaurant for building their website, you need to know how much money you should be charging. So this is the flip side of it. So like once you've established and put yourself in a position where you're desirable and people want you to work for them, now you need to kind of be aware of like, well, what do I need to be charging in order to kind of be making money and to be growing? And this is kind of how I feel about this. So you need to probably let's say if you let's go for this, the freelancing, you're staying in the agency, you just need to know what your day rate is. And that can be done by speaking to headhunters, doing research, going on Fiverr, uh, speaking to friends, um, going to the accounts department, or like maybe the credit director in the agency you're working in, and trying to understand what the industry rate is. And like I said before, you'll kind of go, okay, I need to find this this balance of what my industry rate is, who will pay that, and can afford to pay that, because a big company can afford to pay, say, five hundred pounds a day, whereas a small company can't. And then, what skill set do I have to have to justify that money? And then, what service am I offering? And I I don't want to blur the lines, but it might be this thing of if I wanted a £1,000 a day, I might get that from doing consulting or running a workshop versus I probably won't get that from doing like an eight-hour shift building websites. So you're going to have to you know, work out what's the service I offer to whom in order to charge what I want to be charging. But that's another conversation we can dive into. But initially, just do your research. Ask around, make sure you're competitive. And generally, with each new job you get, just put your prices up a little bit. I think Gary Vaynerchuk recommended 50%. Um, that's quite aggressive, but I'd certainly say put them up by 25%, and the goal is for you to find your sort of glass ceiling where that's the limit you can charge. So you might go, well, I'm going to start 350 a day. I'm going to put that up to five. Then I'm going to go to 650, and then I'm going to go, okay, 650 is my limit. I can't get any more than that. So that's where I am at the moment. Then I'm going to reevaluate, get more skills, get more experience, improve it, prove I'm worth it, and go again. Same with if you're freelancing and you're charging a client for projects, you want to understand kind of what is the going rate for what you offer. And then you want to also be aware of like, well, who is charging more? How are they able to charge more? And what's the gap in between me and where they are? So I can understand what I need to close that gap. And then that is your industry rate. You have that, which is kind of the industry rate of what you can expect to get charged. And then on the flip side, you want to make sure you're not losing money. So this is the thing that a lot of people don't talk about, but but this is where you're going to go, what are my bills and expenses? And then I'm going to work up from there to see how much of my wages are going to get eaten up every month. Now, a bit like when we worked out what is our expenses and how do we calculate that, you're going to have to do a similar thing. So you're going to have your bills uh, and your living expenses. That's fairly standard, easy to understand. Then you're going to have taxes, which will be probably related to your profit. So when you break it down, you're going to have your expenses. So as long as all your bills are covered, you're fine. And then within your profit section, which is what's left, there will be taxes. There'll be your salary. So what you should be paying yourself so you can kind of be living. There's probably money you want to set aside for savings. Um, And then so you've got savings, taxes, salary are all positive money. And then this is the bit which I have not seen many people include, but I think is... um, really important, which is um, money for growth. So this is where you kind of go, how can I reinvest money into myself to keep developing? And how can I have a mindset of like, if I want to be growing, I want to be charging a little bit beyond what I think I'm capable of. And um, Matthew Kimberly, who is a genius, who runs Book Yourself Solid, he said, when it comes to pricing, it should be fear plus 10%. So what you're scared to price go another 10% and that's what you should be charging. And I believe he's right, because as he also says, undercharging will delay your career by years. So this is where we want to get to. Now, the whole thing of the investment bit on top that's money for courses, books, development. So where you're actively investing in yourself. So you still got money to live on, you are still paying yourself a good salary, you've got money for savings, money for tax. And now you've still got a bit of money that you can actually reinvest in yourself. And all of that is usually expendable. So you can put that all through your business anyway. But it's this mentality thing. And the reason why I mention it is because someone said to me, okay, I want to eventually grow my business. Um, into a one-person business, into a three-person small studio. And we were discussing it and saying, well, you're going to probably have to get a co-working space if you want to grow. So that co-working space is going to be an additional cost that you haven't factored in. And if you're going to be hiring people, there might be an element of salary. So the additional cost based on where you are at the moment, so you're working from home in your spare room and you're paying your bills, you're setting aside money for savings, you're paying your taxes, all of that. But actually, if I continue to be charging that rate, so let's say, just off the top of my head, let's say you're charging five thousand pounds to design a website, your expenses and all of your bills eat most of that up. So that at the end of everything, you've got two hundred pounds left over, which I kind of would be like, say, your the money spare. So you've you've put money aside into like courses and improvement. You've put a bit of money in the savings. You've got a bit of money in your salary bank. You've set money aside for your taxes. But that £200 that's left over, that's not going to be enough to do anything with. Now, if you re-ran that project and you had a couple of people and you're in a studio now, you'd probably be at least double, maybe triple that. And what we're trying to get to is this aspirational where we're going, I'm going to need to force myself to charge a little bit more and push myself to maybe bring in other people and take on bigger projects if I'm ever going to get to the position of running a small studio. Because when I do run a stall studio, I need to be landing, say, 15 grand web projects. Because once I've paid off all of my expenses and I've paid my staff and I've paid my you know overheads for running my office, there's not going to be a huge amount left over. So I need to be prepared for that. So that's something to get to in the future, but it's just a way of reminding yourself to be upwardly mobile with what you're charging. So as I said, with the money thing, the two things are going to be, can I save up enough money for, say, six months before I leave to start freelancing so I have the freedom to say no, so I can stay true to my goal and relax and not develop a scarcity mindset because all of my bills are paid? And let's be honest, six months of really going for it should result in some success. Certainly, if I'm helping you, it would do. Um, And then on the other side, I need to research what my industry rate is. So my, I guess, homework for this part would be, um, it would be kind of ballparking your expenses and what you need to be charging, I think is a kind of easy one. So you can go through your bills and try and work out an estimate of how much are you spending each month. And if you were to save up for six months, what would that figure be? And also, if you're going to be charging clients uh, or you're working at your day rate, again, what does that need to be so I'm still profitable? I would imagine that there is a budget calculator nearly anywhere on the Internet. And I've seen really good videos of like what it costs to live in London. There's there's ways of finding it out. But as boring as it is, it's a good discipline to have because it gives you this figure to aim at. And one of the big things that uh, certainly held me back was not thinking like a business with my freelancing. I kind of, it took me a long time to get there um, to really think, okay, I'm running a business now. I can't afford to do what I used to do. So by doing this, you begin to open that jar and kind of go, okay, I'm a bit more aware of my expenses so I can be a bit more thoughtful in my spending. And if you find that you can live fairly cheaply and that six-month goal is achievable then by all means, that would be the way to do anything because that's the shortcut that nobody talks about. But failing that, you know, the second part is always going to be, well, how much do I have to clear before I start making any money? And that's always a good thing to do because, the and this is the big takeaway, it's so much easier to hold your nerve and, you know, just basically say, those are my prices with confidence when you know you can't go any lower because you're going to be losing money. We had this, and a final example, We, when we turned a hotel into a holiday let's, I worked out the expenses for the cost of a room per night throughout the year. So I knew in the summer how much a room cost us compared to the winter. And in the winter, um, the rooms cost significantly more because there's more energy, heating, lights, all those kind of things went up because it's darker and colder. So when I worked out what that was on average, I knew what the lowest week could go as far as when you charge uh, your rent, like you rent the place out for a week, you've got all your bills. You've got obviously taxes, you've got all your bills, cleaning, utilities, and then you've got your commission from the holiday cottage company that are promoting you. Once all of that is taken away, are we making money? And I had a ballpark figure and I was like, we cannot. And I think it was £572 a week and I was like, we cannot go below that. So that's my absolute limit. I'm losing money if I go lower. So when someone says, could you do it for 550? I'm like, no, because I'm not gonna I'd rather be closed because I will lose money. And so this is the thing. Once you calculate your expenses and you know a figure you cannot go below, you can stand your ground with confidence and authority. And actually, people often just try to get a cheaper deal because they can. But when you go, no, I'm sorry, that's the best we can do. Um, if you want it cheaper, you're going to need to go elsewhere. They'll come back to you and go, no, no, we're happy to pay it. And so that would be my takeaway. Once you understand your figures, it puts you in control of your business. And then once you're in control and you understand what to charge, then you can go in the other direction and start dictating the direction you head in, get some control and start going for the career and the life that you want. So I hope that was useful. Um, As always, I love getting feedback. A lot of you send me questions and DMs and emails and I really appreciate it because it helps me form better content. I want to create content that's genuinely going to help you. And if you found this helpful, I would love it if you shared it with other people. I'm in the process of putting together resources on the website, which are going to help you do all of this. So as always, keep checking out thadeducation.com. If you have any questions for me specifically, it's thad at thadducation.com. And like I said, we have coaching that I'm happy to help you with. We have courses that we're always developing and improving. And we have a private community where there are other people just like you who are going through this journey who are all helping each other through it. And that's it really. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please, as always, I know it's a bit boring, but please share it with people who you feel would benefit from listening for it. Sorry, listening to it. sorry. And if you did enjoy it, I'd love reviews. They help massively spread the word. My goal is to help you. I am successful if you are successful. So send us your questions, share the love on social media, and I will see you in the next episode. Have a great day, great week. See you.